we think that starting over is this thing that you messed up so bad. You did the wrong thing for so long that you need to go all the way back to zero. And I, for one, I've obviously realized that that's not true. And that starting over isn't about what you're leaving behind. It's about what you're bringing with you. everybody, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 216 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting with Case Kenny. He's a Chicago-based writer, host of the New Mindset Who Dis podcast, as well as a mindfulness expert. Now, you may recognize him from his inspirational post-it notes and coffee cup sleeves seen reposted all over social media. I wanted to have him on the show because I love his no BS take on all things mindfulness, and it's just super relatable and empowering. Today, we talk about his journey to getting to this place, leaving a job as a senior sales director at a tech firm in 2021 to pursue his passion project. He talks to me about his goal to help others live happier, more fulfilling lives by changing their mindsets in all areas of life. From self-worth and empowerment, dating and relationships, career advice, this episode is full of gems that literally had me nodding my head in agreement basically the entire time. Of note, I also really appreciated Case's vulnerability here, getting really honest about how the last, let's say five or so years have been really transformative for him. And he felt this sense of responsibility to share his takeaways to help better his community. Takeaways that I, for one, can say have really helped me. Make sure you are following along with the podcast on social. It's over at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you haven't sent the show to a friend just yet, shared how much you love Hurdle on social media, there is no better time than the present to do both of those things. I would love it if you tag the show in your stories this week. Again, over on social at Hurdle Podcast. And with that, Let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Case Kenny. You may know him. He's an entrepreneur, a Chicago-based mindfulness expert, and he's also host of the podcast, New Mindset. Who dis? How are you doing today, Case? I'm amazing. How are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so good. I'm happy to have you here. I want to kick things off right off the bat because I put on the socials that you and I were going to chat. And I am just so curious if the number one comment you get on all of your photos is, is this man single? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I used to until... I got a girlfriend and now that question has kind of subsided to, to those who actually like listen to the pod and everything. No, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a relationship. Uh, I wasn't <laughs> for a long time in my thirties. I wrote a book called singles, your superpower. So I think a lot of people at a glance are like, Oh, there's this guy in his thirties. He's single. Um, I was, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> so that's the answer. <laughs> I was like, what do you guys want me to ask case? And like an overwhelming amount of comments included, is this man single? And I just like had a laugh on that. I also think a good place for us to lead off here behind a strong person is a story of someone who said, I deserve better and never looked back. That's the quote on your most recent Instagram post. For those that aren't familiar with Case, he's got about 450,000 followers over on social. And he is all about sharing these really insightful quotes, tips, tricks, etc. That one specifically, though, relevant, I would say, to your journey and what you've been through. You recognizing that maybe you needed to do a little bit better, leaving your corporate job and diving head first 
into this work. So give us a little bit of your backstory. Tell us about how you came to be the Case Kenny that so many people know and love today. I think a pretty simple story, just one of 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 patience and resilience and stubbornness and all these things put together in, in like a in a case smoothie. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I am 34 for a long time from, you know, my early 20s to when I was 33. I, I worked in corporate America. I worked in advertising. I worked in advertising sales, um, learned a lot about myself at the time. I was in and out of relationships. I was in several relationships, long term relationships in my 20s. Then I was single from like 29 to 33. Um, so you kind of had all these experiences, all this input, all this perspective from, from corporate job to relationships, to being single and everything in between. And, um, you know, I think my story is, is simply one of just like leaning into my intuition. I started the podcast when I was 28, basically just in response to life. I had just a relationship had ended. Um, and then also at the time I was really just like grinding myself uh, at my job, I was working a sales job. So I was traveling like three to four times a week. I was just really, really into that into that era of my life at the time. And um, I just took a step back. I was like, who who am I? Who am I outside of a relationship? Uh, who am I outside of a job? You know, namely the things that most of us identify by our relationship status and our career status. And I don't know, I was a little fired up by asking myself that question. I was like, you know, I don't really know the answer. But I feel like I've been borrowing other people's answers. And that's kind of been the direction of my life. So I was like, I'm going to do what, <laughs> what every white male does. I'm going to start a podcast. Um, and I did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the purpose of that was to just ask myself questions in a more vulnerable way. It's, it's an easy thing to sit down and maybe journal or like think in your head. It's another thing to like get in front of people. And I just I just did it as a way to push myself. And long story short, the podcast kind of kind of blew up quickly. I just kept pulling on that thread of vulnerability and intention and interest and really came to love this topic of mindfulness. Because what I what I realized through the process of doing a podcast, doing the social media and all these things. But I was just practicing self-awareness in different forms in a practical way. And I was like, man, I, I really like this. And not only that, but like, I feel like I'm wired to like, to find it easy to practice honesty um, with myself and then to communicate it to others. So that was in 2018, kept pulling on that thread. Um, I was working a job at the time. Um, I was at the, my last job for eight years, really like rose to the ranks there. And then, um, you know, long story short, I started a business around the podcast. I started writing these journals, um, creating these journals and selling them. Uh, it kind of blew up to the point where at the end of last year, I was like, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to do what interests me and what I'm passionate about and where I can maybe leave an impact in the world. So did that. I joke that I share my feelings for a living because it's it's kind of tough to describe exactly what I do. I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm an author. I'm a producer. I do music. Um, so I just say I share my feelings for a living and, uh, I do arts, and <laughs> I do arts and crafts on the side. That's how a lot of people know me on Instagram from the little, you know, post-it notes. So, uh, that's the abridged, abridged version of how I got here. And, you know, what's interesting to me going into this, I introduced you as a mindfulness expert. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, to be honest, I, I never call myself an expert. I certainly allow other people to call me an expert. I mean, authority is important, obviously, in this space. That's how you make a name for yourself. That's how you get people to pay attention. It's how you make money. Uh, personally, I don't like the words expert, guru, things like that. Um, I, I try to take a more humble approach. Who, who am I to call myself an expert? Certainly within dating. Anytime anyone calls me a dating expert, I think it's really funny. Uh, I think the value that I have in life is that I'm good at coming up with questions and I'm good at simplifying emotions. If that makes me an expert, so be it. But I would never call myself one because I'm I'm always always learning. Uh, I'm just a guy um, who ha I've been. I think I've been giving a certain amount of talents in life, talent, and uh, I practice it. You think about ten thousand hours. I've spent well more than that writing, reading, you know, doing this content. But uh, I I do think a lot and I practice a lot in the mindfulness space. So I certainly think I have value to offer there. But I just you know call myself a guy. <laughs> <laughs> what does your mindfulness routine look like these days? Uh, well, to be honest, it's all over the place because it's so like meta for me because what I do and the value I offer, like I, I say that like my podcast, for instance, is my form of therapy. Like I go to therapy, but I say the podcast is my form of therapy every day. Like today's Monday, for instance, last three hours I got up, I've been writing, I've been uh, doing some summaries on my pod. Like I'm growing through that experience. So for me, that's mindfulness. Um, I also journal, of course, that's like my whole life. Um, but music plays a large part of my mindfulness routine. Like, I don't think I've ever 
written anything of of real worth unless I was listening to music. I think my my most creative, vulnerable side comes out with music. Um, I do a lot of in, in the music industry as well. Um, but yeah, usually it's some combination of of sitting in my chair overlooking the Chicago River. I live downtown and listening to the right music and then, you know, giving myself a prompt. I mean, like mindfulness is all about giving yourself a prompt, giving yourself a question, giving yourself something to respond to. I think about life a lot and it's like, what is the purpose of life? I think the purpose of life is to is to answer, is to find answers, various answers throughout all spectrums. But the thing that we I think we often skip is asking ourselves the right questions. We're just like hoping for answers. So I think I spend a lot of time giving myself answers through the form of, you know, vulnerable, tough uh, questions. <laughs> Something that a lot of people are nervous to do, especially when it comes to starting, which, as you know, can definitely be the hardest part. I do want to talk with you about starting specifically when it came to getting vulnerable, sharing your thoughts, your feelings, your sentiments over on social media before it completely blew up. But just at that beginning part, talk to us about how that felt for you and how you got more comfortable opening up there. Yeah, that's like the best question because that is the toughest part. And it was the toughest part, especially for me. Like, again, like I joke about the whole not an expert thing. I'm a regular guy thing, but like really am. I'm kind of like in my former branding, I've kind of evolved past it. But I used to call myself a dude bro guy because I mean, I like I like to lift weights. I like <laughs> house music. I like to eat Chipotle, like really average in that sense. Like I'll, I'll say, bro, dude, I'll do the whole thing. It, it is what it is. Um so that was my identity. And especially I worked in, in sales and I, I was an account executive and I rose all the way up to vice president and um, yeah, identified a lot by money and success and, and these things. Right. So it was a very stark contrast. All of a sudden people were like, wait, Kate, you're that guy sharing these these little sensitive quotes on Instagram. So admittedly, like the, your your toughest critics, if you want to call them that, are always your close friends. Like they, they live in the back of your mind and they were very supportive. But it was just this like this 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 new version of me that was in stark contrast to the this old one and i you know i went in circles for a long time acting like i didn't really care like oh no 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 that's just something silly i do on the side yeah i don't really care about that that's just for fun whatever whereas that wasn't true at all i just said that to kind of escape the the pressure of you know being that guy who did that thing so it took a long time to be honest to like really embrace that um but, you know, I, I just came to this conclusion and I did an episode on this the other day that like anyone who like tries something compassionately, who's willing to be a beginner, who's willing to share their feelings, like if anyone clowns on you and makes fun of you, like that's embarrassing for them. So like I just like flipped the script. I was like anyone who like makes fun of someone else for trying, like they're the ones like they're the ones who should be judged, not you. And, I, and then, you know, everyone is so like overwhelmingly supportive of me. It's insane. Um, so eventually I was just like, I get a lot of value through this. I enjoy it. I've always wanted to to write and have a platform. So I just went all in. And then, of course, like once you start to realize that it actually helps people and people are supporting and sharing, it, it becomes very like, all right, OK, so I'm doing the right thing. But it, it took me a long time to get here. Certainly, I'm not going to deny that. But now I'm all in and, and I won't shut up. So, um, you know, somewhat. of a journey <laughs> And I won't shut up. I mean, it's kind of that sentiment of like one person telling you that you're a weirdo when really that is just like the biggest compliment, right? Because it means that you're willing to differentiate your perspective. Fantastic. I'll take that all day. Like very much so. Like I'm like, I'm not like trying to be weird and different. I just like, I just, I have no, I have an aversion to like being comfortable. Like I've really realized the power of getting out of my comfort zone doing something different, challenging myself. These are the things I talk about all day. So I really try to be in line, of course, with the advice I give. Like that's the power of of being in like the wellness space. It's like you're giving yourself this massive incentive to be the person you you try to be on your platform. So it's it's like really cool. Like if I sit down, I've done 400 episodes on everything. Like it's great for me to be like, I need to be the man that I say I am. I need to be the guy who gives the advice. And like, to me, I like, that's really motivating. I have this like compass that I'm like, I need to do this thing, even though it makes me uncomfortable. I need to do it. I can't give that advice and not do it. So it's, it's good for me. So many things to double click on here. The first thing for someone listening to this, who hears about what you've done and hears you say, I've learned to get comfortable being uncomfortable. What advice do you have to offer to them when it comes to embracing that shift, embracing that discomfort? 
discomfort is a great sign that you're actually respecting your intuition. I think like I, I talk a lot about this thing where we live in the gray of life, whether that's in our personal lives, our careers or in our relationships. The gray is this ambiguous zone where we're doing what we think we're supposed to be doing. We're in a comfort zone based on other people's expectations and so on and so forth. When you're doing something that makes you uncomfortable, to me, that's the clearest sign that you're not in the gray anymore. And I think that's the ultimate objective in life is to be out of the gray. When you're out of the gray, you're you're determining what's true for you. You're not borrowing other people's truths. You're not borrowing other people's expectations or timelines. So for me, it's like I see discomfort for what it is. It's it's this amazing thing that is proof that I'm getting out of the gray. And I do all these episodes. I like to like uh, I don't want to say gamify. I don't really like that word. But like I, I came up with this concept of awkward points. Like anytime I'm awkward, anytime I feel awkward, anytime I feel uncomfortable, embarrassing, whatever it is, I give myself a point and I pretend it's like a country fair. I can cash them in at the end for a big freaking teddy bear. But that's confidence. You're cashing points in for confidence. And like that's life. Like how do you get anything? How do you get experience? How do you get confidence? How do you get success? Well, it's on the back of of your experience. So anytime I go through something like, man, that was awkward, I'm like, great, give myself a point. Because one, I realize that doesn't change my worth. And two, it's giving me slowly but surely that the confidence the next time to not even second guess myself. So I just I always try to find the value in those experiences as practically as I can. Over 400 episodes. That's such a great accomplishment. Congrats on that. When you dove in to podcasting, what would you say was one of the hardest parts? And then the second question to piggyback on this is I'm sure that people always ask you for a reference point on where to jump into the show, maybe an episode that yeah. you would highly recommend. So let's make sure we throw that into the mix too. Yeah, Podcasting is, is very difficult. You, you know yourself. It's like one, it's a very difficult platform to grow. It's, it's tough to be discovered. Like you really, you know, it's, you need to have a following and you tell them about it and, and then off to go. And then if you have good content, it's rewarded. Of course, people start to share, but I think initially one, I, I mean, I had massive imposter syndrome initially. Why would anyone listen to me? I didn't go to school for this. I'm not studied in this. Why would anyone listen to Case Kenny give advice? So again, imposter syndrome there. Um, I, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing ever that I did for myself was just be consistent. I mean, pat myself on the back, I suppose, but 400 episodes over four and a half years of like ups and downs and everything, never missed an episode. That was just me being in love with the process. And again, like finding therapy through the process. So I think it's really essential that whatever you do, whatever platform you create, whether it's a podcast or music or writing, it's like you have to find value that it offers you. Like, yes, of course, you're creating for other people and intuitively as a creator, entertainer, entertainer, but you have to find a way that it speaks to you. And I just anytime I sit down twice a week for four and a half years, I get value from it. And that's always been big for me. And then as far as where to where to start, there's there's no starting point. I, I would recommend anywhere, to be honest. Uh, I it, it is kind of cool. Some people will message me like, Case, hey, so I went on a road trip, I listened to 200 episodes. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of case. Um, but it's probably pretty it's probably pretty cool to see me develop from 28 to 34. I mean, those are pivotal years, right? So if you start at episode one when I was 28 and compare it to episode 414, I think I released today. Um, that'll that'll give you a good, if you, if you really care about me, that'll give you a good contrast of, of how much I've grown or maybe how much you could grow, whoever's listening. So on your journey, like what is it that you're hoping that people are seeing from what you have to offer now? What are you most proud of yourself for stepping into? That's a great question. I would say, I mean, my my whole thing is like, I'm not afraid to hop on my podcast and talk about a cliche. I'm really not. I used to be very averse to that, right? I'm going to shout out, you deserve more. And I used to be like, what? Like, but, but I like my whole thing is that we as humans, we're wired to know things, right? We have an, a great thing called intuition that that taps us on the shoulder when something is right or wrong. But life does this thing where we let life and noise and pressure and timelines drown that out. So I think it's my job just to help people return to that place of truth in themselves. And I think the biggest thing that I realized and the biggest thing that I'm, I'm proud of myself, uh, because, again, I always thought I was going to be a career corporate guy in that sense. And then on the personal side, I always used to be um, not that being introverted is a bad thing at all. I think it's, it's great. But I used to be, you know, quiet, imposter syndrome, introverted. Um, oh, I need to be like them. I need to be like him, and so on and so forth. I think the biggest thing I'm proud about <clears throat> is defining a truth for me. 
defining the right way for me. I have this soundbite that I always repeat because I think it's powerful. It's that there's no right way to live your life, but there is a wrong way. And the wrong way is to think that there is a right way, namely someone else's right way, borrowing their blueprint, their timeline, so on and so forth. And that used to be me. And when I was single, 28, 29, 30, I used to be like, oh, man, I need to be like that guy because he looks happy and he's single. So I need to go to the club. I need to have a roster. I need to be doing these things. And I realized through experience that no, I don't need to do that. That's not what makes me happy. And same with my job. I used to be, oh, I need to have this paycheck, this money, this watch, so on and so forth. I was like, no, I, I don't need it. These are the things I need. So defining my truth um, as you know, cliche and cheesy as that is, has been so liberating and it feels so good because I realized that just because social media can pinpoint all these people who maybe are happy or maybe are not, who knows, that doesn't mean that I need to emulate them. I could find my own way. In, in every essence of life, not just careers, because that's the easy area, but dating, for instance, like, why are you dating? You don't have to date just because everyone else is dating. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. So that's just been so liberating for me, especially in the year 2022, where, you know, the Internet has really enabled us to do anything um, to, to find that truth. So I'm, I'm proud about that for myself. And I just encourage people to, you know, find a way to do that themselves. I, I know you have this, uh, the mindset, one of your mindset journals, the title there, Catch Feelings for Yourself and Find Inner Peace. And basically what you're describing here really sounds like your journey to quote unquote, catching feelings for yourself. Can we talk about like that idea and why it's so important to do just that, to kind of get to this place where not only do you appreciate yourself, but then you also become your own biggest hype human. Yeah, I, I think objectively, everyone would want that, right? Who wouldn't want to love themselves? Who doesn't want to truly love themselves? But again, life, pressure, social media does this thing where we're so focused on some other validation, mostly in the form of relationship status, right? Especially as we get older, we start to be like, well, I, I got I to gotta hurry up. I got to hustle up. I'm falling behind that we forget about that need. We forget about the fact that a relationship really shouldn't be two halves coming together. It should be two whole people coming together to complement each other, to understand each other, to inspire each other. We forget that a lot. So I, I love that catchphrase. You know, there's all those memes about, you know, catch flights, not feelings, catch fe catching feelings for other people. I'm like, catch feelings for yourself. Yeah, I wrote a book called Single is Your Superpower because I believe so powerfully in, in, in the, the power of being single, uh, truly. And I think if we can come back to that, if we can truly respect ourselves and love ourselves, then we don't fall into a lot of the pitfalls in, in modern dating or modern anything, really, where there's two people involved, um, you know, namely seeking external validation, being smitten by a compliment. I, I always give the dating advice that you should only date people you like. And you're like, well, yeah, obviously. But it's like we forget that when we're in the moment, if someone shows us attention, compliments us, we throw a lot of things out the window. We forget that those feelings we caught for ourselves because, oh, my gosh, here's this person, you know, showing me affection. We forget it. Do we actually like these people? So I think finding some source of truth where you know who you are, what you stand for, you you like, if not love, what you see in the mirror. And that could be a lifelong journey, of course. But finding a way to establish these truths for yourself, I think, while being patient is is the greatest gift you can give yourself, whether that's in your career, what you stand for, what you're passionate about and dating, whatever it may be. And I, I think journaling, of course, is a, is a great way uh, to do that. But being intentional about it, I think, is the, is the greatest gift you can give yourself. I love this like catchphrase slash the title of your book, Single is Your Superpower. And I'm sure, you know, for those that maybe haven't read the book yet or are just new to your content, the DMs and the messages and the comments that you're getting are really people just asking, how do I embrace my singlehood? Like, how do I get to this place where I actually feel like it's a superpower? And as a woman here in my mid thirties who loves being single and has totally gotten to that point, it's so interesting for me to see those questions come in as well. Yeah. Like, where do you start from an advice POV when it comes to someone who says like, I just like, I don't feel comfortable alone. I like, I see you taking yourself out to do X or Y. Like, how do I even begin doing that? Like, where do you even start when these messages come in? Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing for me is I try to be practical because it's easy to sit down and be like, being single is a time to love yourself and all these things. And I agree with every single cliche, right? There is no time like being single where you can truly be selfish. You could do whatever you want. You don't have a partner. You don't have kids. You don't have a, like you don't have those things. So, I mean, practically, 
I think that's huge. And we shouldn't skip over practical, obvious answers. So for one, let's consider that. For two, I always do this little thing where I, I talk about uh, a habit I have, which is I like to ask older generations a question. I've been doing it for years. I've heard hundreds of answers. We're talking my parents, 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 any older generation, you know, maybe 60 and above. I like to ask them the question of what do you regret in life? A real, you know, upper of a question. And I love to ask that question because it gives me a lot of perspective. And I've heard hundreds of answers when it comes to relationships. I have never heard an older generation, an older person, someone with life experience say, I regret being single. I've never, ever, ever heard that. The answer I always hear when it comes to dating and relationships is I regret staying in a relationship. I regret jumping into a relationship too early. I regret getting married too early. I regret staying in a relationship I know would run its course. Things like that, right? Being in the wrong relationship. So practically, I always try to offer that as a starting point here because the, the biggest thing that we allow to pressure ourselves is time. Is time. Like We're getting older. I've been single for this long. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling pressure, so on and so forth. So take that anecdote for what it's worth. Uh, you know, uh, crowdsourced wisdom of life being able to get out of your present because we're so in our present. Take a step back and zoom out and realize what may be true. So I always offer that as, as a starting point. But then, I mean, what I referenced earlier, I mean, it's like, what point in life is there where you can truly do whatever you want? I think from my single years, 28 to 33, I went through version case 1.0 through 6.0. I so many different leveled up versions of myself that Honestly, if I think about it, I don't think I would have had that growth if I was still in a relationship. So take that for what it's worth. But I think ultimately, like one of the most powerful things is like we need to come back to like why we date. Like, why, why do we date in life? I think a lot of people don't have a strong answer for that. They're dating as an aversion to being alone. And I talk a lot about loneliness and, and things like that and really trying to break it down practically. But I think a lot of the times the reason we get so down on ourselves when we're single is because we haven't taken the time to really understand why we should date, why we're maybe not ready to date. You know, I always ask people, like, why are you dating? And I get a lot of answers of, oh, that's just what you're supposed to do. Oh, I want to leave a legacy. I want to have a family. And I, of course, think those are fine answers. But I think we need something a little bit more personal, a little bit more self-focused, self-centered. And I think if you could sit down compare all these things that I'm throwing out, you might come to a realization, oh, you know what, you know, I deserve that. I, I would be great to have a partner, but here's all the things that I'm looking to do right now. And coming back to that truth, I think is, is really empowering. It's just, we have to, we have to create a, a centeredness that isn't going to be thrown by hopping on social media, seeing your friend got married, seeing your hometown person got engaged. These things that really throw us for a loop, grounding ourselves in something I think is, is very powerful. What would you say the biggest hurdle was for you during those five years of singledom? What do you think when you look back on that time, you're most proud of yourself for overcoming? Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, I would say most recently for it. So like, <clears throat> I, I think about like male mentalities in, in straight relationships, male mentalities towards dating. It's like, uh, I, I think especially as a man, when you're like single for a long time, it's very easy to stay in that zone. Like I, I remember several occasions where it's like anytime something like starts to get remotely serious as a man, you feel this discomfort coming up. And I think it's natural. I think women feel it too, of course. Right. No one's immune to that discomfort of, oh, my gosh, like maybe this is serious. Maybe there's something here and so on and so forth. However, I think men, myself very much included, see discomfort as a sign to retreat. And there are many relationships, I think, in, when I was single and, you know, I was dating and doing these things. But when it came to that point, I retreated because I saw discomfort as a sign that you should retreat, whereas discomfort is a sign that you should challenge the discomfort and see what's on the other side of it, not retreat as a gut reaction. So I think being single for that time, I saw many, I recall many instances where I retreated, where who knows where those relationships could have led. The relationship I'm in now, I think I'm proud of myself because she's obviously amazing. And you know, there's, there's a reason we're together. But I, that was pure challenging of that discomfort. I remember very clearly having conversations with her where I just wanted to retreat back to being single, because that was what I knew. And that was what I was comfortable with. That was where I owned everything. And there was no variable that could take that from me. But challenging that discomfort, I think as a man um, is is necessary, of course, but is is contrary to I think a lot of conditioning. So for myself, proud of that um, in, in that instance. And I think a lot of men, you know, most of my audience is women, but I try to talk to men. Yeah, I think men 
need to see discomfort. Everyone needs to see discomfort as, you know, something you should check yourself on, but it's something you need to challenge before backing out of first. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about Element. It's a science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. And trust me, these days, not a day goes by where I'm not drinking one to two bottles of it. The real feel in New York right now, a hundred and one which means that it is so important we are being mindful of our hydration. Element is plant-based with no sugar, no gluten, no fillers, or other sketchy ingredients. I am hooked on their watermelon salt flavor, but you can't go wrong with so many of their other great picks, ranging from chocolate and raspberry to orange and citrus. It is my go-to when it comes to long runs, long bike rides, summer exercise. Again, recharging with electrolytes is so, so important when it comes to taking care of your body. And when it tastes this good, it's an absolute no-brainer. Now, of course, Element's offering you a deal exclusive to the Hurdle listeners. Head on over to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get a free Element sample pack with any purchase. Again, that is drinkelement.com slash hurdle, drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get a free sample pack with your purchase today. someone hears you say all of this and they think like, that is me. I am so used to, to retreating, to being that person that pulls away from the discomfort. But how do you stop doing that? What do you tell the person who wants to know, how do I get myself out of this place? Or maybe the person that's so frustrated that they keep running into this hurdle, right? They keep finding themselves getting to a point where they're opening themselves up, they're getting vulnerable, but every single time the retreat is happening. Maybe it's on their part or maybe it's on the other side. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it, it's tough because I wish there was a blueprint. It was like, follow these three steps and, and you'll be <laughs> right. fine. I mean, but I mean, I think ultimately, like uh, the most practical answer I can give is like, I think anytime where we're not truly inform with ourselves, right? That's where our actions don't follow our intuition. Our intention isn't, isn't, close behind i really do think a lot of that comes from miscommunication truly 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 like all the advice i always give is the this the simplest of course is what we know is that you should voice your feelings you should voice your intention you should voice how you're feeling to a partner and see how they react see how they react because a lot of the times like where we retreat unnecessarily or we end up in a situation that doesn't serve us it's because early on we didn't ask the question that was causing overthinking. We didn't ask the question that the answer could have given us some clarity instead of us allowing us to retreat to that place of, of conditioning. It's like, um, you know, think about dating. Um, there's this thing called Karpman's drama triangle, which is basically a, a guy much smarter than me, uh, who came up with this idea <laughs> of the, the roles that we play in response to conflict in relationships, right? You could either be the victim, woe is me, poor me, I can't do anything. You could be um, the persecutor, which is someone who blames, oh, it's all your fault. You did this, or you could be the rescuer. I could fix you. I could help you. I could change you. I, I think we all fall into one of those roles ultimately when we find conflict in a relationship or following a relationship. But the key to escaping that triangle, same with the key to escaping attachment styles, for instance, to getting to a secure attachment <laughs> is communication. It's challenging yourself through whatever it is, whether it's journaling or therapy or you know, anything that you could do, meditation, and then it's communicating that so that there's no misinterpretations. There's no misinterpretations. Like, I, I truly think, and I think a lot of people agree, unfortunately, that the reality of human interaction is that even your soulmate's going to like hurt you unintentionally. It's not because they wanted to, it's not because they had some dark plan, but that we're humans. We, we're complicated. We come to each other with past, presence, future, different, different visions and all these things. It's like, how can we understand the why behind it? That's the ultimate thing that matters. Like unintentionally hurting someone. Okay. You know, whoops, let's see what we do next, but let's understand the why. And I think we need to be better about communicating how we're feeling. I mean, this is simple advice, of course, but we you know for women, I talk to a lot of women. It's like women don't want to come off as crazy or too much or too this or too that. So they stay quiet and these things build and build and build until all of a sudden it explodes. Men, on the other hand, 
don't say anything. We just run on robot mode. And we're, we're, we have all these innate fears and insecurities that we allow lead us to these places. So ultimately, I think it all comes back to introspection followed by this, this level of communication that is going to get you the answer you need. It might not be the answer you want, but it's the answer you need. And I think ultimately in life, if we're worried about time passing us by, like why would we want to invest more time in something that might not be right? Let's get the answer we need. Might hurt, might be rejection, might feel bad, but I would much rather have that clarity than look back a year from now and be like, man, I, I invested, I continued to invest because I wasn't willing to challenge my conditioning, the role I play, so on and so forth. You mentioned during those single years going through these moments where you could have been like, well, what if I was willing to speak up or what if, what if, what if, you know, the what if is something that plagues so many, right? This idea of what if the relationship went a different way? What if this wasn't going on in my life right now? What if work wasn't complicated? What if my family didn't have an eruption? How do we let go of the what if? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, a lot of different things. If, if you're religious, you can you can turn to your faith, you can understand and, and believe that something better is coming. I, I come back to like the idea of like right person, wrong time, that kind of idea. I think a lot of people have different feelings on that, that, you know, you know, sometimes life truly can get in the way, busy this, busy that. But I mean, I, I think about life, I think about dating, I don't think there's ever a perfect time for anything. I think anything worth having is going to involve discomfort. And so I mean, I think if you can understand that and understand that for one, you deserve someone who is willing to embrace discomfort, whether that's a man coming out of his of his conditioned training to be a certain way, or whether that's you and a gut check in the mirror being like, is work really too busy to prevent you from at least trying from at least trying? Let's be real. Like, if you if you truly wanted something, and you didn't want to throw it away, even if you didn't know what it had, even if you were just like, you were like, man, this might have potential, then you would be willing to embrace the suck, even if it you're moving on Tuesday, and it's going to be a long day. Like, I, I think we talk ourselves out of things a lot. We talk ourselves out of trying a lot out of out of seeing again, everyone, male, female, however you identify discomfort as a sign that we should retreat. And I think ultimately, if you do retreat, then just accept it. Then you weren't ready. Don't overthink it. That's the what if. The what if's gone. I'd be like, listen, I could psychoanalyze this all day, but the fact that I didn't try, the fact that they didn't try, the fact that neither of us were willing to embrace discomfort, that's the sign I need and I'm going to move on. Because um, otherwise, then yeah. you get into that zone of, well, maybe I could have changed their mind and they would have embraced it or maybe I can go back. We can't do that. We need to, we need, we need to give ourselves a path forward. So I lean on that example a lot. You can't get down on yourself for somebody else's habits, somebody else's decisions, right? Like if that person isn't willing to open up to you, to give you what you've already established you need, then you have to come to a place of acceptance that it wasn't the thing that you needed at all. Exactly. I mean, I I think the greatest gift you can give yourself is clarity. Why can't we embrace it? Even if it's not the answer we want, why can't we just say, great, got the answer I needed. Now we can move on. Like that's, I think that's the greatest gift to give yourself. You could be like, all right, I, it's like, it's not binary and then it's one or zero, but at least you could be like, I needed this. I didn't get it. I'm not going to be someone who chases. I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to move on. Um, it's tough. Of course, we're all wired humans to, to hang on to things and overthink. But I think trying to take a step back practically and understand that in that sense is that's another gift we can give ourselves. To pivot a little bit, I know in uh, when your team originally reached out to me, they highlighted that you have done so much of this on your own. I'd love if you could share a little bit about the struggles that you've had as a solopreneur of sorts, right? How you've had to show up during the moments when maybe you didn't know exactly what you were going to talk about in those, you know, two sessions a week. Like, how did you keep showing up for you to build what you have built thus far? Yeah, uh, I would certainly say it's something I'm still learning. I mean, being a solopreneur, <laughs> a solo, it's 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 wild. And especially because like things kind of blew up quickly for me on the business front. So like I've been podcasting for a while, but it was about two years in before I started like making serious money from it with with the journals and that kind of blew up over COVID and all these things. But uh, all, you know, all the while I've kind of realized that, you know, I, I am great at doing things solo. Like I, I have this, this motivation, um, that comes from just being purpose driven. And I think that's always guided me. Like it's not work. It certainly is not work. And I, and I do 
quote work a lot, but it's not work. I love it. I truly, truly love it. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't, I'm going to, wouldn't lie. I mean, it is very stressful, especially coming from a corporate world where, um, you know, I did well for myself, uh, quite well. And, you know, that was cause I was like, I'm good at sales. I'm good at managing a team. I can do this thing. Like no problem. Now it's like any money I make is a direct result of my effort. And, um, if you're, if you have a bad month or a bad quarter, it's like, man, am I not good enough? Am I, is my effort not good enough? We go back to this imposter syndrome idea. And, and, and of course, like, I, I'm sure you can relate. It's like being in, in this world, if we want to call ourselves influencers or whatever it may be, it, it also becomes a, a popularity contest, which is a tough pill to swallow. No one wants to be in a perpetual popularity contest that kind of sucks. So it's all these things, all these things, balancing that, doing it alone. I mean, I mean, I have like a, a publicist, um, I have a team, I have some freelancers, graphic designers, things like that. But it's like, ultimately, like, big decisions still come back to me. And I overthink them all the time. Am I doing the right thing? Am I am I doing this right or this wrong? But I think, um, ultimately, my decision to leave my job was like me saying, I trust myself, I trust myself to do this, whether I make the right decision or not, I can react to the outcome. And I'm very grounded in that. And uh, I think I'm making the right decisions. Um, but most of all, I just like I enjoy it as long as I get up every morning and I'm excited to do this. I'm excited to hop on on your platform and talk about these things. Then I trust that I'm in the right direction. I think the moment that I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore, then maybe that's a evaluation. But I think, you know, being being a solopreneur, an artist, whatever I call myself, I think it's it's the right path for me. Uh, it's a challenging one, but I think it's most rewarding. What what greater reward is there than to see a one-to-one, -one, right? I think it's easy to get lost in working for another company, but to be like, here's what I offer and here's how it helps people and here's how I can support myself through that. So it really is, it is absolutely is a, a privilege. I've been marinating on that, this idea of be okay with changing the plan. Like, yes, our goals, they change and evolve over time and things that we want, but we oftentimes go into a certain goal envisioning that the way to get there involves X and Y. But sometimes you might realize halfway through that it involves like M and N and you have to let go of how you thought it was going to look, right? I That's my favorite subject. Oh, talk to me about your favorite subject. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I keep saying, I keep repeating these phrases, but the greatest gift you can give yourself, the fifth greatest gift you can give yourself is a willingness to change your mind. I talk a lot about the power of starting over. Like it's my favorite subject because realistically I've started over, I've started over um, dozens of times, most recently quitting my job. And um, I think about this topic of starting over. I think about the people that I know who are the most successful in, in their industry or who finally found their soulmate. They started over, they were willing to start over many, many, many times. And that's in direct contrast to, I think, how we're conditioned to look at starting over. We think that starting over is this thing that you messed up so bad. You did the wrong thing for so long that you need to go all the way back to zero. And I, for one, have obviously realized that that's not true. And that starting over isn't about what you're leaving behind. It's about what you're bringing with you. If we can rewire ourselves to realize that it takes vulnerability, it takes optimism. But to realize that if a relationship ended, what are you bringing with you? What are the new standards, the new vision, the new, you know, a radar you have for red flags that you're bringing with you? That's amazing for myself, leaving my job. Man, Case, you're like, I remember one day I, I had uh, quit and I was talking to someone like, man, you threw that away. I was like, oh, brutal wording, threw that away. Like, ouch, they didn't mean it. But I was like, that could have caused me to spiral. But I was like, no, 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 no. When I didn't throw anything away, here's all the things that I'm bringing with me. And I could have listed all the things, my my mentality for sales, my the way that I improved how I can speak, my standard, my passion for what I do. Contrast is a powerful thing. How do you know what you want to do unless you've done what you don't want to do? How do you know what love is unless you've experienced the opposite of love? All these things. So I look at that and I'm like, starting over is the greatest thing ever. If you can prove to yourself and show yourself what you're bringing with you and talk yourself out of this mentality that starting over is a zero sum game where you're starting over from zero. It's just it's just not true. So I, I lean on that a lot. And I'm, I'm always willing to start over. I never see it as failure. I see it as here's the building blocks of what I'm bringing with me. And the next one's going to be even better. Pure optimism, of course. But again, I think we can look at things practically, like literally as practical as like write down a list of things you're bringing with you. Like literally, I've got post-it notes everywhere.
Like I encourage people to do that. Yeah. And you said that term building blocks. I mean, whether the experiences are good or they are bad and you obviously have the opportunity to change that label over time, but all of these experiences cumulatively have informed who you are today to then you can move forward and choose to use them to your advantage making these things that maybe in the moment weren't easy, these hurdles, these hurdle moments, we can transform those difficult times into our biggest strength. But that's a choice, right? Like that is your opportunity. So you have to be the person that's like, yes, I choose to do the best I can with what I have. Yeah. I mean, truly, I try not to live in la la land of self-development where I'm like, we're all just, you know, let's do our best. Like, let's get real. Like, a statement like a statement that I lean on a lot is the the per, the people who hurt you helped you. But the only way you're going to realize that and the only way you can escape victimhood, talking back to the drama triangle, is exactly what you said, is deciding what they gave you, what you can give yourself as a result. Like literally, again, doing an inventory of those things. And these are all personal choices. And it's a challenge to our conditioning. Like the reason that attachment styles, Cartman's drama triangle are a thing is because it's true. Like we go way back to childhood. Even there's another saying that we're all victims of victims. Like, how do we develop the mentalities we have? Well, we inherited a lot of them. And where do they come from? Oh, well, they were inherited. It's like, again, to talk about mm -hmm. intuition, like we have truths inside of us that have been eroded and pushed down based on other people's conditioning and then our own conditioning and then life and the noise and distraction. It's like <laughs> the seventh greatest gift we can give ourselves is to find a way to come back to what those are whatever whatever it is to to find purpose in in whatever happens that like that we can succeed because of our past not despite it it's like it's wording it's it's positioning it's it's things like that and i think it's the most practical thing in the world and i think a lot of people struggle with this because we're inherently emotional people but trying our best to objectively mm -hmm. look at our lives and, and come up with these truths is is really empowering and feels great that phrase, victim of a victim, you know, I was at a woman's empowerment conference, let's call it that over the weekend. And during so many of these large group shares, women were referencing having trauma as a part of their childhood. Now, obviously, yeah. trauma can look so different and come in so many different forms. But it was an important reminder and something worth reiterating is that everyone has past trauma, period. And you show up to your experiences today, bringing that with you. So to walk into your experiences, recognizing that it's all around you and that everyone has their own like shit, for lack of a better word, like <laughs> that helps you navigate moving forward. Yeah, I, I think so, too. It's for one, it leads us to be a little bit kinder to ourselves. And I think that's important. You got to start from a place of kindness. But two, it fires you up to challenge it. It's like, I would be fired up. I didn't ask for this. This is this was given to me. You know, let's challenge it. Let's move on. Like one of the exercises that I do, I do a lot of mindfulness speaking events, like guided journaling. One of the things this, this exercise I have is called the best revenge in life. It's a weird, weird title, but I encourage people to sit down. This idea of the best, the, the saying is the best revenge in life is to not be like your enemy. Right. And I'm like, well, who's my enemy? The, the enemy of case would be the opposite of case. That is someone who is, I don't know, lazy, not not empathetic, uh, mean, whatever, for instance. I encourage people to sit down and describe their enemy. That is the person who is the opposite of who they strive to be. And then to sit down and be proud of yourself and realize that you're not that person. You're not that person because you're holding on to what's true to you amidst things like conditioning and trauma and so on and so forth. I think the greatest changes we can perform in life come from a place of pride. We need to find a way to be proud of ourselves because otherwise we're always going to be chasing something and something and something. And we're never going to hack away at that, that conditioning, but to sit down and do a silly exercise like that, to be like, here is the opposite of who I strive to be. And you know what? I'm pretty grateful because I'm not those things. I'm still, I'm struggling, but I'm hanging on to what I stand for and what I want. I should be proud of myself and to use that as a springboard for challenging these things that we're talking about great motivation, great catalyst for that. We just have to find our way, find a way to put ourselves in a headspace where that's possible instead of resorting to overthinking, comfort, oh, this is the, the way it is. It is what it is. Things like that. Yeah. And like rid ourselves of these preconceived notions that an exercise like that, like you deemed it to be silly. Like it's not silly. It's not silly yeah. to want to figure out how you can become a better you, how you can feel more comfortable in your skin, how you can identify the kinds of people that you want in your life going forward. Like there is a time and a place for all of it because as we were really kicking off our conversation with earlier, you'll never regret investing that time 
in yourself. Now, something that I wanted to double click on that you said before, kind of referencing yourself as an influencer, what would you say has been the hardest part for you as more eyes come onto your feed, your page, and it does keep growing as it is? I don't know. Like I said, I feel like I live in in la la land sometimes because people are so kind to me. I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of times people come at me and they'll be like, well, you know, that's because you're privileged and, you know, it's easy for you to say these things. You've never been through the experience. Mm. And I, I always say, absolutely. Absolutely. I've lived the, I've lived a privileged life in, in many, many senses. So I, I try to really stay rooted in that. And I think, you know, leading with empathy is, is the way to go. The, the more, especially in the self-development space, which is an inherently emotionally triggering space, very easy for people to come at you but i don't i don't really you know think about that I, I try to stay grounded in that i'm helping other people i'm helping myself and you know so be it um but i know i never you know to be honest if, if i could i would delete social media it's just not something that i want to be known for um it helps amplify my message and, and it's a gift to even have the platform but it's not so like i never set out oh, i want to have a big social media following i want to be a writer i want to be someone who has a value to add the world and you know, when people disagree, that's, that's fine. When people, you know, can't see from my perspective, that's fine. But, uh, you know, having the ability for people even to listen in the first place far overshadows any time people might disagree or hate. It's the internet. It is what it is. So I try to try to stay rooted in that. How do you stay kind and bring that empathy when it is someone who doesn't approach situations like that on the other side? Honestly, because I have to. Back to my comment earlier, it's like I, I I use my podcast as the motivation to be that person, to be the person who gives that advice. And if I were to throw back at someone who was disrespectful to me, that would be in direct contrast to the advice I give. And that's I'd be a huge hypocrite. And if I'm a hypocrite, why should anyone listen to me? Like, truly, like that sounds probably more noble than I, than it actually is. But like, why should anyone listen to me if I don't take my own advice? Truly. So I try really try to stay rooted in being motivated by myself in like a very meta weird way. I like I need to be the guy that I portray myself to be. Otherwise, what's the point? And the whole thing collapses on itself. So, uh, <laughs> of course, I, I make mistakes, but I, I I motivate myself, I guess. Question mark. <laughs> now, how does that advice apply to the person that isn't Case Kenny? When that question is asked and someone is met with adversity or anger or frustration or a rude comment, and they want to approach with these feelings of empathy and like understanding, it's not always that easy. So what do yeah. you say to that person who wants to embrace more of that kind of attitude? I, I'd, I'd say it's, a, it's just it's changing your priorities. Like for me, I always used to like my goal in life is I want to be happy. Right. I think that's a lot of people's goals and it's a fine goal. But I struggle with that a lot because happiness is this random thing. It could be taken from you devoid of your own effort. It's this very up and down thing. So I've totally reached changed my goal for myself, which I would recommend for other people if they're willing to. I just want to be proud of myself. That is something I can always control. Like no one can take that from Mm -hmm. me. You can throw a lot of things at me. I can go through bad luck, bad luck, bad luck, horrible things. But the your sense of pride ultimately comes from how you react to those things. So in that instance, if that person was gearing up to get all angry at some internet stranger or whatever is happening, are you proud of yourself in that moment? Yes or no? If that's your your test for how to look at yourself every day, every hour, then I think you're going to be motivated to be like, no, 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 I really want to leash out, lash out at this person, but I'm going to be proud of myself in this moment. I think it changes how you look at life. And uh, again, pure self-control when it comes to things like that. But changing my priority in life is I just want to be proud of myself. It manifests itself in the form of looking at the dirty dishes over there and being like, I should I should clean those. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not proud of myself. The big things like I need to be honest with this girl instead of leading her on. I need to be like whatever it may be, big, small. Um, that's been really life changing for me, frankly. And and where does confidence come from? Where does fulfillment come from? It comes from self-pride, self-esteem. We're talking about self-esteem. But I think if we change our priorities a little bit about like what we want to be zoomed out in life, um, it could really change then how we handle the little things zoomed in in life. For sure. Are you proud of yourself? I love I love that question. Someone comes to your Instagram page, they see this guy with a hell of a lot of followers, all of these post-its and sayings and whatnot. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I I see a guy, <laughs> I see a guy who's grown up a lot. Frankly, I I, I see a guy who's grown up, who's matured. Frankly, practically, um, but I, I also I just see someone who ha- was willing to 
get in their feels and just be honest and and vulnerable. Like I see that progression. I see I can scroll back to my old Instagram posts and it's like I was like quoting like rap lyrics and stuff, like just like trying to be someone I wasn't. And now I'm posting about healing. So I mean, cool, freaking cool. I love it. <laughs> like I'm proud of that. Like and cuz again, I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm, I'm doing it for me. So uh yeah, I'm I'm proud of that. What are you excited about right now? Oof. So much. I'm working on a new book. I'm working on a lot of music. Music's a big part of my life, and um, I'm privileged to have access to some some great people in, in the in the music industry. And we're making some music and combining music and mindfulness. And yeah, I'm just excited to see where that takes me. And just doing more of what I love. I always just joke that I'm pulling on this string, but it's a very long string. Like there's no end to it. So I'm just like continuing to pull on it and, and see where it takes me. What uh, what kind of music? Uh, it's all electronic music, like house, dance, um, not typically something that you'd associate with like mindfulness, like most people associate like very, very calming uh, music. But I think uh, there's a lot of power in melodic, progressive, repetitive music combined with mindfulness. And uh, I, I won't shut up about it. I'm always like promoting my, <laughs> my music projects because I think it's I think it's the next big wave of, of wellness and, and mindfulness. So uh, I love it. And I, lo I love to dance. I don't portray it to be a great dancer, <laughs> but I just think it's fun. <laughs> if I right now, before I ask you this final question, give you the floor, is there anything that you feel as though you haven't addressed just yet that is worth sharing to this demo? And I know that that's a very open-ended question, but hurdlers that are working on this journey that you and I have talked over the last 50 minutes, you know, whether they're single or attached to really coming into their own and being proud of what they have to offer and moving forward with excitement and optimism. What do you have to say to them? I, I mean, I, I lean a lot on like the words we use, right? The stories we tell ourselves. If, if we end on one last gift that I say we could give ourselves, it would be find a way to use more powerful and empowering words in your life. Like I'm an author. So I have a weird relationship with words. I'm in words all, all day, every day. And I think if we could find a way to come back to more powerful words, the way that we describe ourselves, the way that the goals we set for ourselves, we're going to be we're going to be free to go out and do that thing. I just released a book called The First Inner Peace. It's a manifestation journal. And the whole point of that was basically in reaction to how I see a lot of people think about manifesting. Right. Picture what you want. Vision board. The secret. I deserve this. These things. And I think that's great. But I think the, the true essence of manifesting is knowing why you're worthy of that thing. Show yourself. And it goes back to everything that we've been talking about here, showing why you should be proud of yourself, the things that you are doing, and use words and sentences and narratives to support that. If you're always telling yourself a story that, you know, all men are this and all women are that, or my talent will never be good enough for this, how do you expect to go out and receive a reality that is directly the opposite of that? You know, you could you could call thing we can call this religion, faith, karma, whatever, maybe law of attraction. I think it's just practical. Tell yourself a more redeeming story. I'm the kind of person who does this. Here are all the verbs that I do. Here's the things that I'm proud of of myself. That I think is is just so empowering. And ultimately it 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 does pay off because it's it's reconditioning. It's challenging all the things we talked about, the conditioning, but coming back to the way that you speak to yourself absolutely manifests its in itself in the way that you act in the things you accept or don't accept in other people. And uh, I think I think it's it's the greatest way that you could change your life, change the way the verbs you use, the adjectives you use, the way that you look at yourself and the goal you set for yourself. And I, and I think your your actions follow your reactions follow. And most importantly, like what you will put up with in life also follow. So I would I would <laughs> I would leave with that case right now you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice looking back, let's say at the beginning of this journey, which was filled with moments of imposter syndrome and trying to figure out what your verbs were, where you were going, what you were moving with. You have an opportunity knowing what you know now to offer yourself a piece of advice at that hurdle moment. What do you tell yourself? Yeah, honestly, I would give the advice that I still try to give my best advice today, uh, which is something I think we all struggle with, which is when we want something more, when we want to grow more, be more, do more, whatever it is, we very much turn our back on what we have. And we get in this kind of anxious, ungrateful state. So the advice that I give myself today that I would give myself much louder when I was younger is, is the absence of what I want doesn't negate the presence of what I have. 
And I'm just so big on that because just because I don't have something that I'm working hard toward, towards, it doesn't mean that what I have, what I've done, what I'm building is irrelevant. And we need to stay grounded in that, find a way to be proud of myself, find a way to be grateful for what I have. Even when I was on episode 10 and I was like, I want to be a top 20 podcaster. Let's be proud of the 10 episodes I've done while working for the more. And I, and I, that's the advice I would give myself. Cause honestly, I still struggle with that. It's like being in a, being a writer, content creator, influencer, whatever it is. It's like, we're always wanting more. We're always feeling the pressure to do more, be more that sometimes we forget the, the gift that we've been given and have created for ourselves. So I would just come back to that, that the absence of what I want doesn't negate the presence of what I have. The absence of what I want doesn't negate the presence of what I have. I love that. Case Kenny, I'm so glad that we were able to make this happen. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Give us the details. Well, thank you so much for uh, giving me a platform. That was a great chat. Case Kenny on on socials, case.kenny on Instagram. Uh, the podcast is New Mindset Who Dis. Uh, NewMindsetWhoDis.com if you're interested in a journal. And then I host a radio show called Zen Disco for, uh, on the music side if you want to do a little dance while listening to my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.